This is Curtis. This is Brian. And we're the Game Night Guys. Each week we give new life to some classic games and introduce you to new ones, but you'll have to wait your turn. And this week's game is Judge for Yourself. Um, Judge what for myself? Judge for Yourself. Judge what for myself? It's the game. It's called Judge for Yourself. Oh, that sounds boring. (laughs) Yay, thanks for listening. So, Curtis. Yes, Brian. I've been on jury duty all week. I know. I keep seeing your uh, Snapchats. <laughs> I do. I've been Snapchatting every day, like when I get to the courthouse, like day one, mm-hmm. <laughs> day two. And your little juror tag is backwards. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> get that fixed Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it, I went. Yeah, I've been on it for four days now, and I have to go back on Tuesday. Because it's a holiday on Monday, right? It is. Happy holiday, everybody. I have to work. I have to work, too. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anybody but, like school kids get that uh, President's Day off as a holiday anymore. And the federal courthouse. They get it well, off, too. <laughs> lots of kids are in jail, so. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, what better game to play because of jury service than this game called Judge for Yourself? You can't get enough justice this week. <laughs> I know. I'm steeped in it. Yes. So the object of this game is to be the first player to reach finish by correctly determining the verdicts of the judge for yourself cases. This is probably the smallest game board we've ever had. It's pretty tiny. It's teeny tiny. And yet they give you like three bazillion case cards. There's so many cases in this game. I guess you could play it for a long time then. Like you could like, you know, if they had fewer cards, you'd probably, I mean, because really if you had this game, once you play a card, you probably gonna it. yeah. You're probably gonna remember. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. And there's only we only opened or there was only one stack open when we got it because it was from a thrift store, right? Mm-hmm. So there's this giant stack of case cards, and then there's a whole other one that's a similar size. There's like 500 cards in shrink wrap. So yeah, the youngest player starts. Oh, sweet! The youngest player starts. I'm I like, object. I no no. We aren't playing it. <laughs> I I am sick of this rule of the youngest player starting first. Where did this like start? I'm sick of it. I don't know. I haven't been around as long as you, so I get you know my fair shot. <sighs> All right. What does it say? Get an old co-host, <laughs> one that's older than you. I should work on that. Notice how I quanti- <laughs> you know I changed the wording of that so you can. I do have an old co-host. <laughs> I knew what you were going for. Mm-hmm. The youngest player starts the game by reading the first case aloud. The reader should be careful not to reveal the verdict, which is printed on the back of the card. Once the case has been read, all players, including the reader, may discuss their opinions and thoughts on the case with the other players. The players, including the reader, then vote by placing their voting cards on the table with either the for or the against side up. The case card is then turned over and the verdict is read aloud. Players who have correctly determined the outcome of the case advance their mover or token up one square on the board. Players who are incorrect do not advance. Throughout the rest of the game, the color of the square in which a player's token is on becomes important. Players with matching color squares are on the same jury for the next case card. When voting on the verdict of a case, each jury must come to a unanimous decision. I have to agree with you. I know. We're never going to finish this game. Longest episode (laughs) ever. 
They may discuss and argue among themselves until a verdict has been reached by the jury. A single for or against a vote is cast. Correct opinions advance one square. Incorrect remain on the same square and will act as a jury for the next round. So let's let's pretend like we are playing with more players, which I'm now noticing that in this box, they only had four tokens, but there are six spaces. There's so. room for six. It's like buying a pack of hot dogs. There's not the same number of bonds <laughs> as there is hot dogs. Damn it. Let's pretend like we had six people, then that would make that a lot more interesting because let's say, you know, two were on one jury, one, mm-hmm. two were on another jury, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. For us, it's just going to be, we have to agree. Yeah, That's going to be interesting. <laughs> That's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> Do you like how when people say interesting, meaning other things, like I used to work with this woman, let's say like somebody came into work and they were wearing like a a t-shirt with a kitty cat on it or something with a kitty cat wearing glasses and playing like, like beatboxing. Like what do they call that? When the rappers do the little scratching record thingy turntable turntable. Yeah. 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 And then she would look at him. She's like, Oh, look at your shirt. That's interesting. (laughs) And it's like, no, that's not what you meant to say. (laughs) Right. What you meant to say is you look like a child. (laughs) Or like during Xbox miss, when you commented on all the video games that they were interesting. (laughs) Just like that. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> so once a player has reached the finish square, they win. Ties are settled by drawing additional cards until one player has voted correctly on a case while the other has not. So we may have to further agree if there's a tie. Maybe. Yeah. Or we have to disagree so that if we keep agreeing, then we will both be tied. All right. Yeah. <laughs> See, we're still reading the rules and I've already forgotten how to play. That, welcome to Game yeah, guys. If this is your first time listening, you're not surprised. <laughs> well, let's kick this pig. We have four tokens to choose from. Green, yellow, white, and black. Hmm. Which token do you want to be Curtis uh, Hill? Well, since you know it coordinates with the majority of the board, I'll pick green. As you are likely to do. Yeah. So I can pick yellow, white, or black. You're and probably going to pick black. I'm going to pick black. Yeah. <laughs> per use. So predictable. <laughs> okay, here's your voting card, and here's mine. It says against on one side and four on the other. Sure does. All right, so youngest player, let's go. Now be careful not to show yourself or me the back of the card. Okay. Speaking of kicking pigs. What? This case is called The Smell of Pigs. The Smiths owned a pig farm in England and, in 1958, were ordered to pay each neighbor 200 pounds because of the strong smell and to clean up the farm. By 1970, the farm had grown from 300 to 700 pigs and the smell increased. The neighbors took the Smiths to court, seeking damages and a cleanup order. The Smiths were ordered to pay each neighbor 500 pounds a year for the previous 12 years. The Smiths appealed, saying that compensation was too high and the smell was not that bad. So, did the court rule for or against the Smiths? Hmm. I'm going to say against. So they denied their appeal? Sure. And they forced everyone (laughs) You already don't care, do you? No, I don't. (laughs) Okay, so the... the, the I kind of stopped listening after you said the smell of pigs. (laughs) So you missed the the whole case entirely. Okay, well, I'm the greatest juror ever. Yeah. All right. So the uh, so for 12 years, the this pig farm kept increasing in the number of pigs. It went from 300 to 700, and and that's a big jump. Yeah. Let's see. And that's more than doubled. 
So before they were ordered to pay each neighbor 200 pounds using, I mean, that, that kind of baffles me that they were forced to pay neighbors for the smell of the pigs that live nearby. It's like the neighbors chose to live there or right. they did live there. It depends on if they live there to begin with. Right. There are a lot of factors. I'm going to say, did you, so you said against, correct? Am I, is this the appeal? Yeah. The Smiths appealed saying the compensation was too high. So did the court deny oh. their appeal? I'm going to say they were for. For it? Yeah. I'm going to also say they were for it because the way it worked previously would kind of, it, it seems like that would they would continue with that. And because the number of pigs increased. And they're probably going to continue to increase. Yeah. And inflation. And pork prices. Bacon. I don't know. Mm, I just want bacon. bacon. <laughs> All right. So let's see what the results of this case was. The court ruled for the Smiths and held that, although the smell was a nuisance, the 500 pounds a year award was far too punitive. The court set the award at 1,000 pounds to each neighbor. Wow. So is that like a flat 1,000 pounds? Or, or yearly? Or was yearly? it yearly? Anyway. Pigs, everyone. We both said four. So we all get to advance one space. And look, oh. now we are on the same color. Oh, no. That means that we have to agree on this next one. Okay. Are you ready to read the next one or hear the next I'm one? I'm ready to hear the next one. Scaring the chickens. Oh, good. It's another farm question. A lot of farm ones so mm -hmm. far. Yeah. Two. <laughs> all, I can count. All both questions have been about animals. In 1946, Roger was the owner of a chicken farm. Everything was relatively fine until the government brought a large tract of land adjacent to Roger's farm and built a military base. The noise from the low-flying aircraft scared the chickens so badly that many stopped producing eggs. <laughs> that would do it for me. Yeah. Roger took the government to court seeking damages, claiming, they, claiming that they were responsible for trespassing in his airspace. Did the court rule for or against Roger? And now we have to agree on this. We have right? to agree on this. I would say they ruled for him. I would say so, too, because... The farm was there first, and the, the military's launching rockets over his farm. Right. Or missiles. And it's scaring the chickens, and they don't yeah. want to lay their eggs. All right. There's a guy on Instagram that I follow. I don't know his name. He never puts his name on anything. But he has chickens, and every day when he goes to check on the chickens, he shows the chicken eggs in his hand. Oh. But he only has like three or four. Okay. So usually they all fit in his hand, because I guess maybe they only lay one a day. Maybe so. I've never owned chickens. So. I me either. Are you ready to hear the verdict of this case? Yes. The case of the scaring the chickens. Yes. The court ruled for Roger. In this famous case, the court found that the government, in essence, had taken Roger's private property and that Roger should receive compensation. Good for Roger. Yay, Roger. And good for us. We get to move forward one. We're on different colored squares now. True. Are you ready for the next case, Brian? Please lay it on me. This one's called Snake Services. <laughs> More Another animal question. What is up with that? I don't is know. Is this the animal edition of this game? Yeah, maybe it's the, <laughs> the farmland edition. The kids version. It's all about cute animals. So snakes fits right in with that theme. In the Appalachian Mountains, several churches were engaged in the practice of snake handling as part of their Sunday services. Ugh, religion. I read just this morning <laughs> that some famous snake handling preacher died because he got bit by a snake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Live and dangerous rattlesnakes were brought in and during the course of the service handled by the minister and passed around to the enraptured members of the congregation. 
When a few of the members died as a result of snake bites, the state ordered the practice stopped. The churches appealed the ruling in court. So did the court rule for or against the church? Ugh. I'm going to say for. Yeah? Because freedom of religion or whatever, no matter how like dumb it may be. Separation of, of church and state. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's a tough one because it's like... It is a tough one. It's kind of... Well, I mean, to me, the way I'm going to look at it is if I join this church... Unless they're forcing me to deal with it. Like, I made the choice to yes. have these snakes around me in my Sunday service, which is mm-hmm. so weird. Yeah. But people are like that. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to say that they're for it. Is that what, what is What are the choices? <laughs> <laughs> Did the court rule for or against the church? I'm going to say they, they ruled for it. Because the state wanted the church to stop doing the snake handling. All right. And I'm going to say that they said for it. They said they had the right to do this. I'm going to agree with you on that, actually. That, you know. Is that, that logical? Sense. To me, it is. Oh, but it looks like we were both wrong. What? The court ruled against the churches. The court made the distinction that the beliefs were not illegal, but the manner in which they were expressed threatened public safety. And that makes sense to me. Well, now it does. <laughs> I'm not a lawyer. I am definitely not a lawyer. <laughs> All right. So All right. No progress was made on that round. The next one is cookbook poisoning. Mm. A Florida housewife. Florida. Florida. <laughs> a Florida housewife bought a new cookbook and tried an exotic sounding recipe that included the use of the Desheen plant. Sure. D-A-S-H-E-E-N. Desheen. That sounds like Desheen. While preparing the roots, the woman ate a small piece, which unfortunately turned out to be poisonous. Whoops. The woman sued the bookstore, claiming that she should have been warned that the uncooked root was poisonous, and that when she bought the book, it was understood that everything in it was safe. Did the Florida District Court of Appeals rule for or against the bookstore? I'm going to say they ruled for the bookstore. It's not the bookstore's responsibility. It's the publisher's responsibility. Right. I'm going to agree with that. I'm saying I'm for that. All right. The answer? Yes, please. The verdict is, in this case, the concept of implied warranties is the question. Mm. In the Uniform Commerce Code, the law states that when something is sold, there is an implied contract that promises that the goods are saleable and not inherently dangerous. The court stated that the implied warranty in this case is limited to the book itself, i.e., it does not fall apart, etc., for the bookstore. Yay! That was a long way of saying in the bookstore's favor. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was quite a mouthful. I feel like I'm a lawyer now. I feel like I've learned a lot that I could go try a case right now. Well, I can't talk about the case I'm on. Obviously not. Because it's still going on. Yeah. But I will say that televised legal dramas have sort of spoiled me for this experience <laughs> because cases don't move as fast on the good why. I mean, in real life as they do on like on the good why for mm-hmm. law and order. Like, yeah. like it's a lot of talking. <laughs> it is. And uh, I've been on jury duty as well. It's been a few years. And really? Yeah. You can talk about your case. I then. can talk about my case. Um, I couldn't for a long time because this this particular case, we started the trial and then they recessed. I think I went back the next day, but then they recessed and said, we have to wait until next week to come back. 
well, I got a phone call that the case had to be postponed longer, and the the case didn't get wrapped up until about six months later. Wow. So wait, was it a criminal or a civil case? It was. I mean, what's the difference? Criminal is when you're like you've been arrested for something, and and civil is like I'm suing you. Oh, it was versus cr- versus like I've committed a crime. It was crim- criminal because it was it involved a person. It, it, this happened on Thanksgiving. It involved um, a neighbor coming to get a, a ride on the back of someone's motorcycle, and the the motorcycle crashed, and they weren't sure if the guy driving the motorcycle was drunk or not. Mm. So the passenger got severely injured. And was in the hospital for a while. So, oh wow! The sad part was that we we couldn't find him guilty because the people didn't come testify. Like there were people that were supposed to come testify, and they, they couldn't find them. They just didn't show up. Hmm. Like um, I believe a police officer was there testifying, but we just there was not enough evidence to convince to convict the guy. So we we had to let him go. Oh, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, and everybody agreed. It was we came to a decision in like five minutes. So during the jury selection process, did you hear a lot of wacky reasons why people couldn't serve on jury duty? I did not, actually. That's crazy because... So this is the first time I've served on a jury, but I've been called for jury selection before. Yeah. And the first time it was a criminal case. And I was pretty sure I wasn't going to get called because there was like probably about 30, 40 of us in the room. Mm -hmm. And I was way down on the end. So even if they eliminated like 10 people, there were still 12 people way before me. Yeah. And I was pretty amazed at the ballsiness of racist people <laughs> during that jury selection yeah. process. Like like people who just basically would admit to the judge, I cannot render a fair and impartial decision based on the defendant's race. Mm. <laughs> like there was a woman behind me. So he was like staring this woman down when she was saying this stuff. And and I was just, I was so wanted to turn around and glare at her and I didn't. So Just um, to try to get out of it. Yeah. Hopefully, just to try to get out of it. And just the sob stories, too. Like, I mean, from this jury selection alone, I know way too much about some people. Like, and their kids and their problems with their kids and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I I can understand it to a certain point. Like, I feel inconvenienced that I'm not at work because basically it just means I'm working at night now. Yes. (laughs) Like, I'm not out of work. You know, I'm basically having to do a bunch of stuff when I get home from jury duty. Yeah. And it's a pain, but I mean, the way I was looking at it is if, you know, for whatever reason, let's say I'm in a court or I'm being sued or whatever, Mm -hmm. like I wouldn't just want a bunch of yahoos on the jury. No, You know, I want people to take it seriously. And, you know, so I I feel like I'm ensuring that let's say one day I have to go to court for some reason and there's jury trial or whatever that smart competent people <laughs> are going to be on my jury. Yeah. You know? I, I feel like I'm paying that forward. Maybe that, that was the thing that I, I didn't like about the, the jury I was on is because we had all this, you know, all these exhibits and evidence and all the stories and people's, you know, presented. And then six months goes by until the case continues. I forgot probably like half the stuff that was discussed, mm. but we did. I mean, we did take notes and we had, the facts in front of us, like this happened, this happened, and the person that took the BAC, like the officer, what didn't even show up. So, and there was the the thing went missing. I don't know. It's been a few years, so I'm probably you know messing up some of these details. But, um, and the other funny thing was, 
that was the only time so far I've been selected for jury duty. And then after I moved from Washington to Arizona, my mail was forwarded to me and it's like, you need to report for jury duty in Washington. Oh. So I said, no, I don't because yeah. I live in another state. And then when I moved back to Washington, I got jury notice from Arizona. And I said, mm. and they said, you need to report for jury duty. I said, no, I don't because <laughs> I live out of state. <laughs> and that hasn't happened since then. But. Well, what's funny is like a few months ago, I was having a conversation with some coworkers. And I don't know why jury duty came up, but it did. And I, and I said, oh, I haven't had jury duty. Because so, when I first moved here, I, you know, registered to vote. Mm-hmm. And then, like, immediately I was called for jury duty. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and then I didn't have to go in. Great. Six months later, I was called for jury duty again. And it would just keep happening like that. Like, I didn't always have to go in. But I was keep getting that thing. Kristen, who is our friend who's been on the show many times, mm-hmm. has lived her her entire life, been registered to vote since she's 18, has not once been called for jury service. <laughs> wow. Ever. Wow. So I was telling my coworkers, I was like, oh, yeah, I used to get jury summons a lot. I'm like, I haven't got one in a while. Next week, got it in the mail. <laughs> I know I'm expecting one after we release this episode now because it's been several years. Yeah. Oh, boy. What's the next case? The next case is called, Does She Need a Bra? (laughs) (laughs) Does she? I don't know. Do you want to hear about it? Let's hear about it. A woman visiting an inmate at an all-male prison in the United States was routinely searched by a matron before the visit and was discovered not to be wearing a bra. She was not allowed to enter unless she wore the appropriate undergarments, reasoning that this might tend to excite certain inmates. (sighs) (laughs) She went to court stating her constitutional rights had been violated and she was being discriminated against because of her sex. Did the Hawaii Supreme Court rule for or against the woman? Hmm. This is a tough one. This is. I'm trying to recall from when I binged watched Orange is the New Black. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of bras were people wearing in there. Did they, was it for or against the inmate? Is that for the woman? I'm going to say for the woman. In favor of her not wearing a bra. Because I don't think anyone can legally make anyone wear a bra. Like, go topless, sure, which is stupid in my opinion. Like, men can walk around shirtless all the time. Ladies can't, which is dumb. Well, I mean, the thing that comes to my mind is being forced to wear a hard hat in a construction area. It it could cause damage to you if you're not properly equipped. Mm, Because if the inmates get out of control, someone could get hurt. I can understand that, but I mean, I, I, I see that they can make them wear, yeah, well, that is true. Like, you know, Arpaio likes to make people wear pink, pink underwear. underwear. <laughs> Arpaio is our county sheriff. Yeah. He, you may have noticed him on Fox News or MSNBC being ridiculed at some point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he makes the inmates in Tent City, which is an actual just city of tents. Mm-hmm. They have to sleep outside, y'all. Don't go in the summer. Don't go to jail. Yeah, don't drink and drive. Um, they have to wear pink underwear to yep. humiliate them, quote unquote. Well, I mean, that's different because that's affecting the inmates who basically have surrendered their rights because they broke the law. I mean, this mm-hmm. is a woman visiting from outside. I don't know. I'm. This is a tough one. Well, and there are dress codes. True. I wonder if dress codes, I've never noticed it because it doesn't really apply to me, but I wonder if people's like corporate and office dress codes include bras. But like you can't wear tank tops. Yeah, I can't wear shorts where I work. <laughs> yeah. But she's not an employee of the prison. She's just a visitor. True, but 
I can't wear a tank top or shorts to my jury service, and I'm not an employee. Right, but you're legally required to do that. So I guess for so. the short time you're getting paid for it, you are an employee. I'm going to say that they can't. Like, they can probably restrict her from wearing certain outer clothes. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't wear a low-cut shirt or something like that. But I don't think they can say, no, you can't not wear a bra. Mm, I'm going to say against her. Okay. I'm going to say they wanted her to wear a bra. So we have disagreed on this one. We are a hung jury. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) How long have you been sitting on that one? (laughs) For about 20 minutes. Okay. You ready for the verdict? I am. The court stated that the government, in order to maintain order and control in the prison, could set dress standards as they related to sexual attitudes. The court stated that the absence of a bra was regarded as sexually provocative by some members of society against the woman. Ah, I got it. I'm sorry, Brian. That was a tough one. What can I say? I'm all into boobs. You are. (laughs) Motorboat. All right. The next one. The video mix up. A remix. (laughs) (laughs) A mother went to the local video store and rented what she thought was a Care Bear cartoon video for her four-year-old daughter. Oh, this isn't going to be good. (laughs) I I, I can already see where it's going. After the little girl had watched the entire movie, (laughs) her mother realized that it was actually a highly erotic video with nude dancers. Mm. The mother sued the store for negligence and emotional distress and counseling expenses for her daughter, who now wanted to dance like the naked ladies, unquote, (laughs) and was even telling her friends at school about the video. Did the court rule for or against the mother? (sighs) I'm going to say against. I'm going to say against, too, because... If she doesn't take a second to glance at the label on the videotape before she pops it in the machine. Right. Or be in the room for a little while. Like, it is yeah. her responsibility to screen what her daughter watches. Yeah. I, she, I mean, she assumed it was a cartoon, but stuff like this happens. Mix-ups happen. Right. And it wasn't porn. It was probably just some dancing. It's probably that movie Aria or something where they had, like, naked people dancing in it or whatever. Yeah. Who, who's to say that's bad? Exactly. It wasn't, like, sex. No. Just naked ladies. It wasn't Backdoor Sluts 9. <laughs> How is Backdoor Sluts 9? Not as good as 1 through 8. <laughs> All right, so we're both going to say against. Yeah. The court ruled against the mother because the judge felt she was taking a simple mix-up a little too far. Yeah. I agree. That was a, that was a short explanation. Compared to these others, they were. I only need to get two more correct to finish. And I'm behind you by Just one. Just by one, though. It's anyone's game. Anyone's. Oh, God. You ready for the next case? The buttock biter. (laughs) Are you ready? All right. I'm getting a a mental picture. Of an ass being bitten. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) When Steve saw Melissa in a bar room near Dartmouth College, he found her so appealing that he grabbed her by the hips and gave her a bite on the backside. He insisted that it was meant as a compliment. (laughs) Right. But Melissa took him to court. (laughs) You think? Yeah. She claimed that the skin had been broken by the bite, causing her such throbbing pain that she could not attend classes for three days. Steve contended that he had tried the technique on other women without a problem. Because that's a a (laughs) rock-solid excuse. Oh, Steve. All right. So did the court rule for or against Melissa? I'm going to say four. I'm also going to say four. Because first of all, I want to say, this sounds more like assault than it yeah. <laughs> sounds like. 
Like, fellas, fellas, if we have any straight fellas who listen, and I think we do. Yes. Women in general don't want an unsolicited bite on the ass. No. Ask first. (laughs) Just general rule of thumb. Excuse me, ma'am. May I bite your ass? Yeah. (laughs) That ass. And I mean, if they knew each other, you know, maybe she would have forgiven him, but this is a complete stranger. Right. I would have. I would have taken him to court, too. You can bite people's asses, you know. Yeah. If, you know, in certain situations. Mm-hmm. But not strangers. I didn't think we'd be discussing this today. Unless it was like, I don't know, Craigslist or something. Well, know. you're just asking for trouble <laughs> if you go on Craigslist. <laughs> this is tame compared to some things I've seen on, on Craigslist. <laughs> All right. So we both agreed pretty quickly on that one that uh, the court ruled for Melissa. Let's Don't let us down, court. The court ruled for Melissa and awarded her $27,500 in damages. That is a nice award a for, nice for, change. for a nibble on the butt. <laughs> so we both got that one right. Yes. And we're both on the same color. That means we have to agree on this next one. Okay. What's it going to be? Imitation of a star. In one of a major automotive company's commercials, Bette Midler's vocal styling was used without her permission. Bette Midler, star of stage and screen and... Beaches. Beaches, yes. <laughs> That's all of it. Throw Mama. Wait, what was she? Throw at? Mama from the train. No, that was somebody else. Um, big Business. Big Business, yeah. Uh, was she in Troop Beverly Hills? No, that was Shelley Long. She was in Outrageous Fortune with Shelley Long. Yes. I, she was pretty popular in the 80s. Yeah, she had her, her movies. She sued the car company, claiming that one of her former backup singers was hired to imitate her singing her hit... Do you you want to dance? dance? I've heard this case before. Have you? Yeah. The car company insisted that even though the styles were similar, the song, the version of the song used in the commercial was obviously not Midler and would never fool the public. The company further argued that Midler had not been damaged in any way. Did the court rule for or against Bette Midler? Hmm. We have to agree. We have to agree. We're on the same jury. I'm inclined to say against. I am too. They didn't take her actual recording of it. Mm Mm-hmm. They took, you know, somebody singing like her. Yeah. But that's not the same thing. No, it's 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 a like a knockoff. Right. There's probably somebody on YouTube singing that song just like her too. Is she gonna sue them? Probably. Probably. <laughs> but why is Bet Midler so litigious? I don't know. <laughs> God, Bet Midler. What's wrong with Knock you? Knock it off, Bet Midler. So do we agree that the court was against her? They, we do. That's okay. Yes, yes. All right. Well, what's the result of this case? The result is the court ruled for Bette Midler Damn and awarded it. her several hundred thousand dollars in damages and ordered the car company not to use the song in any future commercials. Hmm. Huh. Now, I remember hearing about this case when, when it happened, and mm-hmm. I didn't know the outcome, obviously, because I got it wrong. But I think this is around the time that... Um, Rappers that were sampling people's music without their permission were kind of being, you know, taken to court because it's kind of that same thing. Don't I, th- I mean, this isn't a sample, but it's it's someone else. It's a, it's an imitation of someone else. I guess, but I don't agree with it. I don't unless, unless she has, unless she owns the rights to the song, which is not really which mentioned they in the didn't song say, yeah. in the card. Like I could see that, but if they have rights to use the song and have somebody else record it. I guess. I don't know. Hmm. That's a tough one. Well, now we know. We know how that judge rolled in. Maybe he was a big fan of beaches. <laughs> Maybe so. So do we have to stay on this square? We do. Until we agree? This is the case of the gay graduate. Oh. Hmm. 
At a small Southern Christian seminary, a young man named Matt told the dean six months before graduation that he was gay. The seminary board of trustees, going against the recommendations of the faculty, refused to grant Matt his degree. He went to court claiming he had completed all the requirements stated in the catalog. The board argued that the catalog also stated the graduate must be a Christian, as described in the Bible, and therefore not a homosexual. Wow. Huh. Did the court rule for or against Matt? I'm going to say for. I didn't say when this happened, but you can still yeah. be a Christian and be gay. Uh, I'm going to have to say four, even if it's wrong. Even <laughs> I'm hoping that it's four. I mean, come on, Matt. We're, we're in your corner, Matt. Oh, I have bad news. Oh, the state Supreme Court ruled against Matt and held that the seminary had the right to set whatever standards for graduation it wanted. And the seminary in its catalog was very specific about its requirements. Was this in Oklahoma? <laughs> it doesn't say where it was. <laughs> I am unhappy with that result. I hope Matt, like, appealed. I hope so, too. I hope that he took it to the Supreme Court. Yep. All right, next card. I don't know if I can say this word. Amityville Horror? Yeah, haven't you heard of that movie? I have, but I don't know if I've ever actually spoken it aloud. you ever had to read it off of a card? No. In the late 70s, an Amityville Long Island house became famous by the book and subsequent movie, The Amityville Horror. The owners of the house decided that they had had enough publicity when two separate articles... Our dream house was haunted, and life in a haunted house appeared in magazines. The stories detailed the owner's frightening experiences with the spirit world. The owner sued the magazines for invasion of privacy for using their names without permission. Did the court rule for or against the owners? There are so many questions I have. Yeah. That's, again, can't talk about the case I'm on, but that's what I'm having a hard time with being on a jury. I want to ask questions that I'm not allowed to ask. It's up to the lawyers to ask the questions. Right, right. Like, I can ask the judge questions regarding, like, the law or whatever. Like, he, yeah. he went into very great detail saying, if you do have questions, write them down, flag them, the clerk, blah, blah. But I, again, I probably watched too much Good Wife. <laughs> I'm like, no way. You want to ask them this? Like, get this on the record or whatever. Because I think I'm a lawyer, apparently. You but. should be a lawyer. I think it's a little too late for me to do that. Yeah. Well, with that attitude, you're never <laughs> going to be a lawyer. I'm going to go to law school right now. <laughs> Legally Blonde 3. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> she was a pretty good lawyer. Yeah. So, yeah. So they sued this magazine for invasion of privacy for using their names without permission. I'm going to say that the court ruled against them. Against the family? I am, because... Mm, freedom of speech? Well, because a book was written, a subsequent movie, and they're suing magazines. Hmm. So you're saying the book and the movie happened before this magazine thing happened? Yeah, yeah. That was the chain of events? Yeah, but like the question comes up, did they get permission from the family to use the house or... Well, obviously, they probably didn't use their names, their actual names in the movies. Well, maybe like... Maybe what I'm reading is that the owners of the house weren't the people depicted in the movie or whatever but these magazines these magazines did a story about them who are current occupants of the house maybe that's what it is so you're saying it's a different family right but what i'm saying is journalism like like can't they still like like they can still write about them and give their name yeah well then like you know like a journalist doesn't have to get the permission of the person to publish an article about them no I, I'll, I'll have to agree with you on that, and I'll say against. All right, let's see. We're both wrong, probably. 
The court ruled against the owners and held that because the owners were a continuing news story, the articles fell within the bounds of covering the news. There you go. And their names could be used without permission. As to the privacy question, as long as the intrusion was not extreme, the magazines had the right to investigate the story. Well, yeah, that makes sense. It does. All right. So we got to move forward one. I'm one away from the finish. Just one. Just one. Wow, we've had a lot on the docket today. (laughs) Ready for another one? Sure, hit me. This next case is called Shady References. Oh, the shade of it all. (laughs) Can I tell a quick story about throwing shade? Sure. So a long time ago, I don't remember which episode it was. It was in the first like 12 episodes of Game Night, guys. I think it was when when Mike and I were playing Monopoly. We kept talking about this strip club called Band-Aids. Yes. I've driven by Band-Aids a million times. Me too. And it's... and So Friday, I went to go eat Indian food, Mm -hmm. and it turns out it's next door to (laughs) Band-Aids. So close. So close to Band-Aids. I I think I got hep C. (laughs) Uh, So we're sitting there, and we see Band-Aids like right out the window, right? And we notice that right above Band-Aids is a giant billboard for a different strip club. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You sent me a picture of that. (laughs) Called Highlighter. (laughs) And my friend Karina looks at it, and she was like... Highlighters throwing some shade over there at Band Aids. <laughs> like that's ballsy. And when you and when you sent me that picture, I thought it said something about Hitler. I thought it said at, Hitler too because they, they're spelling highlighter completely without the up. gh in the middle. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I've been closer to Band Aids now, oh. and I think I saw some of the girls for Band Aids like park their cars and get ready for work. <laughs> Ferrari parked her Porsche. Yeah, not really. Mercedes. <laughs> All right. So shady references. In London in 1919, a member of a residential club asked the manager to lock up some jewelry in the club's safe, even though the rules clearly stated that the club would not be held responsible for items left in its care. So wait, is this like a gym? Well, I don't know. It just says residential club. So whatever, you know, like almost 1920 London, what that term means, I have no clue. Oh, because if I was going to a club, I'd want all my jewelry out. (laughs) Ice tripping off me like a bear from the polar. (laughs) You need to stop listening to Missy Elliott. Love her. One night shortly afterwards, it was discovered that the valuables were missing. The night porter was charged with the crime, but the jewelry was not recovered. The gentleman sued the club for negligence because it had not checked the porter's references. Did the court rule for or against the club member, the one that lost his jewelry? I'm going to say against. Because they had clearly stated that they are not responsible for lost or stolen merchandise. Oh, you've got so many rubies and diamonds you need a place to put them. You can't take them to your mansion first before you go to the club. (laughs) Who's like walking around with rubies and diamonds? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, that's not safe. All right. So we both said against. Damn it. The court ruled for the club member, Ah! reasoning that the club was negligent when it did not check the porter's references thoroughly. That's crap. I don't agree with that. All right. Here's another one. Beauty school. I'm sorry? Beauty school. Beauty school. In 1937, Harriet owned and operated a hairdressing school in British Columbia. I get it. Harriet. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) I wonder if if she called it Harriet's hairdressing school. I don't know. Her pupils practiced on customers who came to the school in exchange for considerably reduced prices. One day, a customer named Evelyn came in to have a permanent wave done to her hair. 
Oh, like a, a perm. Mm-hmm. Getting all curly. <laughs> Those were very popular when I was younger. She could do it at home with Ogilvy. She could. You know, my, mom, my mom used to do that. <laughs> avoided all this mess. <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca, the pupil working on Evelyn's hair, accidentally burned Evelyn's scalp while attempting to give the permanent wave. Evelyn filed a suit against Harriet for damages. Did the owners rule for or against Evelyn, the customer? This is 1937, because I used to go to a, a beauty, like a school like that, to get my hair cut a long time ago. Yeah. Um, mainly because I knew the student. Like, mm-hmm. we were friends, and she was like, oh, come down to the school, and I'll cut your hair. One time, I got there, and she wasn't there, because she had called in sick, and they were like, oh, well, so-and-so can do your hair. And I was like, oh, okay. And she totally, like, cut half my head off. <laughs> Half your head. Like she like was doing something in the back, and like then all of a sudden now I had like this big piece of scalp showing. <laughs> but the problem was, and I, I I know that that was like a a risk going to a school and yeah. having students work on your hair. My problem wasn't that she did it. My problem was that she didn't tell me she did it. Yeah, that's bad. The instructor later told me, and oh. she tried to fix it as much as she could, and she because like. I I still didn't, you know, the instructor came over and started working on my hair. And then later she said, she's like, she's like, I know this happened, but you know, and I was like, what, what happened? Oh, <laughs> like, I didn't realize that something had gone wrong with my hair. Cause the instructor comes by three times during the haircut mm-hmm. anyway. And so that's when I got mad. Cause I was like, well, why didn't she tell me? Like I wouldn't, I mean, it happens, but you know, like own up to it. She should have said something as soon as it happened. Right. She's like, Oh, I'm very sorry. Let me go get somebody to help. Blah, blah, blah. You know, whatever. Hmm. So, but I understood that there was a risk. Yes. Going there, to there the school. Was a risk. But this is 1937. I'm not sure if that same logic would be applied. I don't know. I'm going to say that it, it should be applied that the instructor should have been closer, especially with something like chemicals are involved with a, a yeah, permanent yeah. wave. So I'm going to say that, they were for the customer because the teacher was negligent. Yeah, let's do that. Four. Right. Four. Even though we're not on the same jury, no. we're still going to put the same way. Are you ready yeah. for the answer ready. on the card that I'm about to turn over? Curtis, are you ready to hear? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm doing a Joe Batanz thing. Yeah, really? <laughs> <laughs> All right. The verdict is the court ruled for Evelyn and held that Harriet was liable for damages for the burn scalp that Rebecca had caused because she was her teacher. Mm-hmm. So that means you finished. I finished. You win. I'm a lawyer now. <laughs> if anybody needs to go to court, just, you know, get me on Twitter. Hit me up on the Twitters. <laughs> and <laughs> hashtag I'm in trouble. <laughs> hashtag Molly, you in danger, girl. <laughs> We should get you to do one of those like commercials, like yeah, dial the Curtis, and then have an eagle screaming in the yeah, background. Like, the eagle, <laughs> I'd be like the parakeet, <laughs> <laughs> the weasel. Oh yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> that's we- a good marketing. Weasels are fierce. <laughs> <laughs> they just dive in with their teeth and don't let go. That's right. All right. Well, what did you think of this game? I like this game. Did you? Actually, I kind of did because it, it wasn't like the typical games we play. It, it created a lot of opportunity for discussion. You and I played a game somewhat similar to this. Yeah. I believe with Mike at my house on a New Year's Eve. Oh, yeah. Well, and it was much worse. We did not like it. No. But it was, did it involve court cases? Did it? 
It, it was this kind of ga- game where like a story was read and you had to be for or against. I don't remember that. It was New Year's Eve. I was probably drunk off my ass at that point. Probably. Yeah. You know me. <laughs> so yeah, judge for yourself. Judge for yourself yeah. on judge for yourself. I, I liked it more than I thought it would. Yeah, me too. I, w- I didn't agree with all of the outcomes, but you don't always have to agree with them. Nope. That's how it happens. <laughs> we got a review. <gasps> A new review, finally. We haven't had any new reviews in quite some time. Like since October. We need more reviews. We Mm. need more people to like spread the word. Yes, please. Who gave us this new review, Curtis? This is from Prof Scammington. Professor. Well, it says Prof. (laughs) I always when I like when I see him on Twitter and stuff, I always say Prof Scammington. Oh. His name is Richard. His name is Richard, yes. And he wrote a very nice review. He did. Um, kind of explaining a little bit about the show, which is helpful, which is why we want the reviews. Very because I think when people like read the description of their, our show, they're kind of like, oh, that sounds really bad. <laughs> but it like lets them know, like, hey, it's not what you're thinking it is. Yeah. In the review, he mentioned uh, the delicious corn casserole that I make and talk about all the time. Angry black bitch corn casserole. Yes. <laughs> yeah no it was a nice review it was thank you richard we appreciate that if you would like to write us a review listener dear listener mm-hmm. listening now have you written us a review you can go on to itunes or stitcher leave us a review let people know what it is brian will send you ten dollars if you do no i won't oh I'm sorry <laughs> just trying to get people excited about it <laughs> maybe i will share with you the delicious corn casserole recipe if nothing else we definitely will give you a <laughs> shout out on the show that too yes yes for free <laughs> i don't know if you've noticed but my voice is a little scratchy yeah you were sick for a while i never got to hear you in full brenda vaccaro suzanne plachette <laughs> mode but i didn't like it was a couple weeks ago i think that we were last week we were going to record it was last week yeah and i texted you and i'm like i can't talk so because i had been really super sick for about a week mm-hmm. i got sick on basically super so well sunday i stayed in bed all day long yeah and then the next day i felt a little better i went to work for a little while but then i came home and slept And then I recorded an episode of Greetings from Nowhere with Christina. And poor Christina had to hear my voice. It wasn't quite this bad. Like, yeah. But for a while there, it was kind of rough. You sound pretty close to normal. You don't sound, you know, 100%. But I can tell you're kind of coming off of something. Yeah. And I couldn't have come over anyway because my car was having the equivalent of open heart surgery in a (laughs) repair shop. And $1,000 later, I'm back on the road. Yay. Damn car. So, if you want to go listen to that episode of Greetings from Nowhere, it is episode 197. It's called Gaming from Nowhere. And we talked about all sorts of nerdy things and how we are, how we ha- lack nerd cred in many areas. <laughs> this this show? Yeah, we talked about... Oh we, well, I, I mentioned that we were going to Comic-Con in Phoenix. Yeah. And she was telling me about her cons that she goes to and different shows that she likes and that I like and everything. Mm-hmm. We we she mistakenly thought that you were a comic book nerd. Oh god no. <laughs> I know and I said I don't think he reads comic <laughs> no. books. No. Nope. I said he's the go-to guy for video game news. That I can help you with. <laughs> <laughs> so greetings from nowhere is at visitnowhere.com. You can also find them on iTunes and Stitcher. And thanks to Christina for allowing me to be on her show. It was a lot of fun even though I had a really not so great voice. <laughs> So I think that's all we have to do this week. Case yeah. closed. Case closed. <laughs> we are guilty of fun. Why don't you have a gavel in here? 
I don't know. That'd be fun. Next time we're playing a game and you just wander off topic, I can be all, hey, get back to the game. <laughs> Maybe I can get one. I'm going back to the oh, courthouse in a couple days. Totally lift it from the judge's bench. <laughs> That's it for this episode of Game Night Guys. Visit our website to find your favorite games at GameNightGuys.com. You can email us at hello at GameNightGuys.com or leave us a voicemail at 480-648-GAME. That's 480-648-4263. Follow us on Twitter. We are at Game Night Guys. You can also follow us individually. I'm at Cecil Jean. And I'm at Cheap Blue Guitar. Join us on Facebook and tell us about your game nights at facebook.com slash game night guys. Be sure to tell your friends about the show. You can subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts, including iTunes and Stitcher Smart Radio. Thanks for listening. As always, you are invited to our next game night. It's your move. Bye. Goodbye. Guilty. 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 Are you thinking of Superman? I am. (laughs) I'm out of order. You're out of order. This whole courtroom's out of order. Do I get to say that in this game?